0: That during this time, season in our culture, I can imagine Pastor John is just, he would love to be here this morning, but yet he has surrendered that gift to me, and thank you Pastor, I appreciate it so well. Hopefully I'll do it justice this morning. Um, man, this morning I'm going to read out of Mark chapter 5, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, and as you're turning, I'm going to begin to kind of intro and open up what I feel in my heart this morning. And I want to tell you, I believe we're standing within a moment in history that is telling us a few things. As Pastor John alluded to, you can't help but feel the weight of what's happening all around us right now. And I believe that this moment in history will be telling us five things. And this is not in my sermon, but I think it heads up to it. One is to be watchful. Can I ask you, church, let's not check out right now. I know so many times it's tempting to want to be that person who sticks their head in the sand and says, it'll pass. But can I ask you, let's be watchful. Something is stirring, something is shaking in the heavenlies right now in our world. Do we know what it is? No. But something is shaking. Don't check out. Be aware, but do not be blown by every wind or every wind of doctrine, or every wind of change, or every wind of society. Let's be aware. Let's be watchful. Second thing is be prayerful. What I mean by that is let's walk in the Spirit. This should be a time that we are walking in the Spirit. We're connected with the Spirit. Pastor John just spent several messages speaking about the Holy Spirit. If you missed those, go back and listen to those. We need to be people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the Holy Spirit and ask God for a special outpouring of his grace on you. The third thing I believe we need to be that history is telling us right now is to grow deeper in the word. If you're not holding on to what is true, you will be deceived. The Bible tells us that in the last days that many will be deceived. If you're not in your word, get in your word. If you're in your word, get deeper. The fourth thing I think we need to be that we're being told right now with history is be ready. Get your affairs in order. And I don't mean your earthly affairs, I, I mean your spiritual affairs. Cast off the things you need to be casting off. Throw away friendships or relationships you need to, that are holding you back. This is the time to start to cut the fat, to cut the things that are keeping us from God and run after God. And the fifth thing I believe is to plug into your local body, into the body of Christ. We will increasingly need each other. We will increasingly need each other to grow in the faith. If you've been one of the Christians who's kind of held on the perimeter, now's the time to get in. If you've been one that's kind of waited, you know, that's just not my personality. Forget your personality. Now's the time to dig in. Dig into the church. Why? Because we need each other. And as Paul would encourage us, that we need to spur each other on in the faith. I don't know about you, but maybe this week you've kind of, man, you don't feel shaken in your faith, but you feel a shaking. And how much more do we need others to come and grab our arm and be like, yeah, come on. Yeah, God's doing something. Something's happening, but we ain't losing the faith. We're holding on. We're standing true. What we do this morning matters and it's important. Open your home. Invite others in the body of Christ into your home. And don't make it just about what's happening in the world or the the weather. But let's keep the gospel center as to who we are, amen? Amen. All right, that's outside of what I want to talk about. But <laughs> I just, man, I, I, I can't tell you how much. I have not been an end times guy. Let me just tell you, I have not ever been an end times guy. I, I don't get revelations. I'm, I'm one of those, I read it and I, it, it looks like a bad cartoon to me. But I can tell you, I, I don't know, I feel something. I, I, and Pastor John hears it and he feels something. I, and I'm just, I'm like, okay, Pastor John, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> I don't know all this stuff. I, I keep bugging him. I'm like, hey, what do you, what do you think about this? Like, have you heard about this? <laughs> I, like, somebody tell me something. I, I, don't, I don't know. But, man, our, our world is shaking right now, guys. And the stage is being set. The tracks are being laid. I, that's what I feel. What does that mean? I don't know. But if, if this means that you run closer to Jesus, you win. That's right. <laughs> If you spend the next month, the next year chasing after God deeper and the resurrect, and the rapture doesn't happen, guess what? You win. <laughs> There's nothing to lose by you going deeper with Jesus. Amen. If it costs you a friendship that's holding you back, then you win. Because you know what? There is friends in this body of Christ who are going to champion you to, the, to, to Jesus. Amen? Amen? All right. So with that being said, I'm going to read chapter 5. And I can't help but feel the weight of this text in our current culture. And so um, my goal is to not weep through this message today, uh, which probably won't happen. <laughs> but today, I, I want to compel you. If you don't know Jesus, you need to know Jesus. Jesus. If you've been walking at a distance with Jesus, it's time to walk close. If this has never made sense to you, today I pray that your ears are open and it's new in your heart and your life. And if you've walked with God for a year, I hope today by the end of this, you feel a resurgence to be a, the minister of the gospel like never before. So I want to pray before I begin to read. And I want to ask you to pray. Pray for me. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, <laughs> every one of our days is ordained by you. And God, you've given us your book that's rich with treasures. God, you've given us the beginning and you've given us the end chapters. Now, we don't always know how to navigate the in-betweens, but your spirit knows how to lead us. And so today, would your spirit lead us into all truth, lead us into knowledge and wisdom, that we would grow in knowledge and wisdom, that we would grow in an understanding of what your will and your purpose is. God, that your word would be life-giving to us. God, I ask for your anointing. God, I I need it. If you don't anoint me today, God, then I've got nothing. God, if you don't speak over my words, then they're dead. God, your words give life. Your words break the the yoke. They set the prisoner free. So would you speak today in our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. In Mark chapter 5, we get a story of Jesus here who's being met with a madman. And so let's jump in. Verse 1, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. Now understand, right in front of this, we're jumping into this chapter where Jesus is, is landing in this area. This is considered an area of the Gentiles. And so here is um, Jesus who is leading his disciples. But at the beginning of Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells his disciples, let's go. We are going over here. So I want you to understand, what is about to happen is Jesus' plan. Like, this isn't just circumstance, happenstance, that they're ending up where they're at. This is Jesus' plan. "'They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasia, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met a man out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces.' And he replied, my name is Legion, or your version is a mob. Did you catch that? What is your name? Oh, it's mob, Legion, because we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now, a great herd of pigs was feeding there on a hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us into the pigs and let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came came out and entered the pigs. And the herd... Numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep banks and into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told the city and the country. Uh, The people came to see what, what had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon possessed man and to the pigs. You see, in this text, it's preceded by another great text. And Pastor John did a great sermon on chapter 4, the storm. So I'm not going to even go there because he already did it and it was better than I can do. So go listen to it. But if you read in Chapman, in the book of Mark here, as I read this, I see these stories are connected. There's a longer story going on that Jesus begins by telling a parable of what is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is like a seed. You sow it and it produces fruit. The farmer doesn't do anything. The seed does what it's supposed to do. It does what God has commanded it to do. This is the kingdom of God. It goes forth and it produces faith. He goes, well, how else can I explain this to you? Well, it's, it's like a seed, a mustard seed. It's the smallest of seeds. It's very small. Yet when it grows, it produces a huge bush and the birds make their nest in it. The largest bush in the garden, he called it. And then Jesus is like, okay, there's a parable, now let me give you the real story. And so he goes, y'all come with me. I'm going to show you a real example of what the gospel is. And so they get in the boat, and they have to go through a storm to get to, the, to this side. But, you know, a lot of people, they get this idea that storms happen because of disobedience. And the book of Jonah, it, it very well explains that. But in this story, we see that they went through a storm because they were obedient, now, I don't know how many storms you've been through in your life, but maybe they've been storms of disobedience, but more than likely you've met a storm because you've been obedient to the call of God, to the voice of God. You see, storms allow us to see Christ more clearly, to understand his power and authority over the situation. And Jesus speaks simply to the elements of nature, but he doesn't just speak to the elements of nature, he speaks to the heart of man. And here they're in a storm, and the disciples come and they ask Jesus, don't you care that we're going to perish? I mean, Jesus is asleep in the front. And they're like, don't you care that we're going to perish? And Jesus speaks to the storm and calls it, but he speaks to the heart of his the disciples. And he makes a very interesting claim to them. And he says, why do you have no faith? Now, I find it interesting that Jesus would say that to the disciples who had seen demons cast out, who had seen the healed raised, who had seen the blind see, who had seen great miracles that Jesus had done he and heard the teachings of God, But apparently the gospel had yet to penetrate their hearts and produce faith. And so here's Jesus. I'm going to show you an example of what faith looks like. And so here they land on the other shore. And immediately they're met by a madman, a Gentile, a crazy Gentile, a man who is lost, a man who the world cannot tame, a man who is the exact picture of sin. You see, sin destroys the man. In this picture, we get a perfect idea of what sin is. This man wasn't born this way. This happened to this man because of his sin. You see, he didn't start his life in this condition. And many of you that have played with sin, you didn't start in your condition. It started off in a very little way and you begin to play with it. It's like the snake you begin to play with that eventually bites you. And then we get a picture of a man who's surrounded by death. He's living among the tombs. A man whose body bears the destruction of his sin. A man whose soul is terrorized. The Bible calls him a madman. You see, our bodies are designed to be the temple of the Lord, and here is this man whose body is raging with demons. We see a picture of how sin destroys. We see a picture that mankind has no solution. Mankind can offer no solution for sin. Here is a man, and every effort by man failed. They had bound him with chains, and there wasn't a chain that a blacksmith could make that was strong enough. You see, every effort a man fails to deal with the condition of sin. He was bound, but they couldn't restrain him. The town had given up on him and cast him out, and here is he's living among the mountains and the tombs. And sin destroys the society. It destroys the man There's no solution that mankind can offer, and it destroys a society. You see, all society seeks to do with the wild passions and the lust of the soul is to curb them, to isolate them, to restrain them. Doctors give medicines for this. We put people in prison for this. Put people in crazy houses for this. Mankind has no solution. Mankind can offer no restraint. Mankind cannot offer anything for the ills of society. And churches, I look over our world today, I see a world that's searching for a savior. I see a world that's crying out to be saved, a world that's crying out to be rescued. And no one's got a solution, no one can offer it. You see, sin destroys a society. Thou shalt not, says the law to us. It knows that the fierce fires of anger burn in the human heart, and it says, Thou shalt not kill. It knows that an unholy lust surges in our soul and it says thou shalt com- not commit adultery. It knows that greed and covetousness are and passions that, are too, that we're too prone to and it says thou shalt not steal. You will notice a law does not attempt to deal with the anger itself or the lust itself or the greed itself. In fact, what does man do? It adds another law. To the lawbreaker, they add another law. am getting intense in this thing now, I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel the intensity of our moment. <clears throat> I remember um, there's a, a place I love to go backpacking. Since I love adventure, I'll throw a story in here and kind of soften this up a little bit. It's <clears throat> so Jack Rivers Falls. I don't know if anybody's been there. It's right on the border of Tennessee and Georgia. And it's this cool little trail, and it crosses the river multiple times. And so you walk in the water, and you go down on the land a little bit, and you cross the water again. It's just back and forth. And um, a beautiful spot, and you, eventually in the middle of this trail There's a waterfall. And it's a beautiful waterfall, and you can go, and you can swim at the waterfall, and you can camp out in the waterfall. Well, some group of college students decided that, that was to be party central. And so this would have been a group of Pastor John's buddies when he was younger. They went down to the waterfall and had a good time. And um, on their way to the waterfall, they broke like, I don't know, five different laws to be there. And so the last time I went, I'm like, man, what is going on? There's no more campsites down by the falls. They had torn the trail up that goes down there. And I was asking the guy, like, what's going on? He's like, oh, well, these people came, they broke all these laws and came down here and partied. And so we put in another five laws. Well, thank you. I'm not the lawbreaker, but now I got to deal with this. You got another law for me. You see, mankind doesn't know how to deal with this, do we? We don't have a solution. We can't bring a solace to this. All the law seeks to do is prevent the outbreak of these evil passions into sinful acts and deeds. It does, in a word, to bind man. All that it does is to bind us with more chains. It binds us with more restrictions. It binds us to less freedom. It binds us to be confined more and more and more. It doesn't cure the mischief. It doesn't attempt to clear the soul of these evils that lurk within us. It just seeks to restrain us more. The sinless society divides. Sin divides people from God and from each other. It will isolate you. But let me tell you this morning, the gospel divides as well. And it divides us from our worldly affections. It divides us from the sin that so entangles and deals and deeps so in us. And it divides us to usher us into his family. Sin will divide you to isolate you to be destroyed by the enemy. Jesus will divide you to bring you into his family. So what can save mankind? We have this story of a madman who was full of demons that nobody knew what to do with. So they bound him with chains. The chains broke. So they bound him with bigger chains. The chains broke. And they bound him with the best chains that the local blacksmith could put together, and he still broke those and tore them to pieces. And so here's a man who's isolated now because of his condition. And the Bible tells us that that no one could subdue him. No one had a solution. What societal law has failed to do, Jesus accomplishes with a word. I hope you catch that in this text that what society failed to do Jesus does with a word and the same word that spoke over the the storm be still was the same words that spoke over a madman and said be free you see the word of Jesus is powerful it's powerful. It accomplishes that which it goes forth to do. It's the seed that is planted in the soil that produces a harvest. It's the small seed that is planted that grows up and it becomes the biggest bush in the garden that the birds flock to. 2 Timothy 4.1, Paul would tell a young preacher this. He would say, preach the word. Preach. And I believe he would say in every opportunity, every chance you get, at every moment that the door is open, take it. Preach the gospel. You know why? Because that's the only solution for mankind. That's the only thing that will break the yoke. It's the only thing that will set the prisoner free. It's the only thing that can heal a broken heart. It's the only thing that can bring the wayward home. He would say preach. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. Church, can I admonish this this morning that we would preach the word? This world doesn't need another meme, this world doesn't need another quip. So, what do we preach? Do we preach our opinion? Do we preach self fill in the blank? Do we preach social justice? Do we preach that we should be doing good works? Do we preach the human will that if we would just will it, we can make it better? Do we just need to preach that we need to be open to other people's emotions and feelings, tolerant of people's ideas? What do we preach? The Word. thats the only thing we have, church. It's the only thing we have. But so many times I, I find myself asking, it's usually when I listen to Christian radio, we have the best thing in the world. We have it. We have all the answers. We have the truth. We have the light. We have the gospel. We have the hope of salvation, the hope of the world. And yet, we offer things that aren't. Sorry, am I preaching this morning? Man, here I am. So this week, I was, went to go help my parents. They were moving. And so I remember coming home in the car And I I try, I try to listen to Christian radio. Usually I have to, I have a Pandora account and I have to pick my songs and listen to those because I just, it's so hard. But we had the radio on listening to a Christian radio station and we both had this double take moment. Like, what did that song just say? And I was blown away. The song said, I am the righteousness of God. What? No, that's not what they said. Maybe they said something. Let's listen again. I am the righteousness of God. What? Let me pull my Bible out. What does the Bible say? No. He is the righteousness of God. Jesus is the righteousness of God. His righteousness is imputed to me, but it's nothing to do with my righteousness. There is nothing in me that's righteous. And without the righteousness of Jesus Christ, I am but filthy rags. This world does not need to hear that because there is no self-help that's going to get you up out of your miry clay. There is no pulling your bootstraps that's going to make your step easy. Romans 10, Paul would say this, Brothers, my heart's desire and the prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have the zeal of God but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God And seek to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone who believes. In verse number 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Verse 14, then how will they call on him who have, they have not believed in? Question mark. How? How are they to believe in him whom they have never heard of? Question mark. And how are they to hear without someone to preach? Question mark. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Question mark. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But not all have obeyed the gospel. You see, Christ's method is the only effective method. He goes to the roots of things. He he looks into the heart. He removes the lust and the passions, the appetites that cause us mischief. And so does away with the need for restraints and prohibitions and chains. And he creates a new man making peace. But how will they know? How will they know? Church, we gotta preach. We gotta put the gospel in front of people. When was the last time you put a scripture on your Facebook or was it your opinion? When was the last time when someone brought to you their burdens that you gave them the hope of Scripture? When was the last time someone unloaded their weight and you prayed with them? I mean, right then. Not, oh, I'll pray with you later. I'll pray for you. And you get home and you get busy and you don't pray for them. When was the last time you grabbed their hand and said, you know what, let's do this. Let's pray. Come on, let's believe that the power of Jesus is still alive and active. Let's believe that the Holy Spirit is invested in what's going on in your life Church, I can't help but feel an urgency right now. I can't help but feel that we don't have much time. The clock is ticking. If you've been running from Jesus, today's the day, sir, ma'am, young person. If you've been sitting on the fence, today's the day to make a decision. You see, because in this story we have a Sin contrasted with faith. There's a contrast here. We see the effects of sin. We see the ravaging nature of sin. We see the destruction of sin. But in this story, we see, here is a madman who's fallen at the feet of Jesus. Jesus speaks a word over this life, a word. The same voice that spoke over the deep, the void, the darkness that created everything that we see speaks life into this man. And we see that he's clothed. Look at here, verse, uh, look at this with me. In verse 14, the herdsmen fled and told the city, and when the people came to see what had happened, and then they came and they saw, they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind. I don't think it's coincidence that the Gospel of Mark would put this in here, that the Gospel of Luke would put this in here. You see, because he's clothed. Revelations 3.18, Jesus says to the church, I counsel you to buy for me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Jesus says, come to me for these things. Revelation 16, 5, 15 says this, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping on his garments, that he may not go about naked and be seen and exposed. You see, this man was naked before, but in the presence of Jesus, he's clothed. He's not clothed in his own strength, his own ability, but he's clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Church, are you clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ? Have you got up this morning and put on your robes, put on your garments, put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not your works, not your efforts, not your ability, not your attendance here to church, but the, the, the work of Jesus Christ? Now, I don't know if you've ever been exposed naked, now, the good news is I don't have one of those stories for you. <laughs> I've got a lot of crazy stories. That's not one of mine. <laughs> Y'all said, praise the Lord, didn't you? But I do have a friend who does have one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he was telling me one time, it was 2 o'clock in the morning, and something had happened. He had got home late, and his clothes were ruined. And so it's two o'clock in the morning, and he's thinking everybody's in bed, right? So he's out in the carport. He gets rid of all his nasty clothes right there. And he tells him, he turns around to look, and his neighbor, six feet from him, is standing right there. Pastor John's <laughs> <laughs> just shaking his head, like, What do I <laughs> There's nothing more embarrassing than being exposed in your nakedness, is there? There is no greater fear in the heart of a man than to be exposed. For people to know who you really are, the people to see the depths of your sin, the depravity of your own heart, there's no greater fear than for someone to know your thoughts, to know deep in the recesses of your soul. But yet Jesus does and he welcomes you. And he says, Come, get garments from me that you may be clothed, that your nakedness may not be exposed. You see, this man was clothed. The Bible says he was in his right mind. Romans twelve, two says, This do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. By that that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, the world seeks to change you from the outside in, demands that your actions change. The gospel renews your mind. It changes you from the inside out. 1 Corinthians two sixteen says, we, meaning those who believe and respond in faith, we have the mind of Christ. This morning, church, do you have the mind of Christ? Is the mind of Christ, is it working in you? You see, the mind of Christ stands at a sharp contrast with the world, with the wisdom of this age. It has a wisdom from God. It's given to believers through the Spirit. It can only be perceived and understood through the Spirit. And it gives the believer discernment. Man, we need to be walking in discernment right now. You need to be able to discern the voices that are coming over your TV. Is this true or false? Is this fear? Because there's a lot of that coming through your TV right now. There's a lot of coming that coming through this world right now. And I'm not going to stand you up here and tell you how to respond. You need to let the Word of God, the Spirit of God, speak in your heart how to respond. But see, this is what faith is. Faith is being covered in the righteousness of God. Faith is being renewed in our mind that we may know the will of God, that we may be able to discern what is true, what is right, what is just. And here he is sitting at the feet of Jesus, worshiping Jesus. When was the last time that you, went, you weren't in this house that you just sat at the feet of Jesus? When was the last time it was just you and him? Do you truly believe in the Jesus of the Bible? If I could, I I would have taken my whole time on this one point. Do you believe in the Jesus of the Bible? Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one that is in these pages, the one that was foretold in the Old Testament, that fulfills every prophecy in the Old Testament, that did everything he said he did, who witnesses bore the truth of what he did, and they took it to their grave, believing every ounce of it. Have you had the affirmation of who he is in your heart? Have you been quickened in your soul that you know that he is who he said he is? Has he spoken to you? Because in the last day, many will be deceived. And many will follow a false Christ. Many will follow a false prophet. Do you truly believe that Jesus is who he said he is? That this Jesus is who he said he is, not another? Have you had that moment? And the fourth thing is he was obedient in preaching the gospel. Man, this is one of the most beautiful points of this whole text. Here is a man who is delivered. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's clothed. He's in his right mind. And he goes, Jesus, let me go with you, please. I want to be with you. And he goes, and Jesus says, no, I need you here. But, but I want to be with you, Jesus. No, I need you here. And maybe some of you felt that. Man, Jesus, I'm ready to go home. I'm so ready, I'm done. Come on, maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking that. And Jesus is going, oh, no, 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 I need you here. Why? Because he says this. He says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. You. God would speak to you this morning. Jesus would speak to you this morning. He would say, no, your time's not now. Why? Because he has something for you. Go home. Tell your friends. Tell your family how God has had mercy on you. You see, Jesus restores the broken road. Brooke, if you'll come up. If you catch the gospel, catch this, for good news to be good news, it's gotta enter bad places. I mean what good news what news is hundred dollars to a millionaire, right? But when you ain't got two nickels to rub together, what news is a hundred dollars? Yeah, that's good news, isn't it? And here we see example of faith that enters the most dark place. It enters the most broken road. It enters the most broken heart, the bro- most broken life. And maybe that's been your wrestle with God. You're like, God, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know how you can enter this brokenness and fix it and make it right. He did this madman. He did this madman. He can do you. He set this man free. He can set you free. He broke chains off of this life. He can break chains off of your life. You see, this is good news. Jesus, Jesus is here. And he's calling for you. He's calling your name. Personally, he's calling your name. Or maybe you're like the disciples and The gospel's not quite gotten down deep enough yet. It's there, but it's not really deep yet. And this morning, Jesus wants to grow your faith. You see, this demon-possessed man blocked the road. People couldn't get to this down this road, so they had to find another route The pigs—they polluted this road. I don't know if you've ever been driven by a pig farm, but man, it's bad enough when the the paper mill around here catches the south. It catches a wind change, right? But do you see what happens in this story? Jesus moves into a place, and there's a demon possessed man. He frees the man, and he says, "Stay here." And if you keep reading through the gospel, you know what happens later. Jesus comes back, and you know what happens? the whole area comes to know Jesus. He's able to do miracles. He's able to transform other lives because of the word of this one man. And maybe that's your story, you were like the madman. And Jesus is waiting on you to share the gospel, the grace of what he's done, to bring faith to a town. Or maybe you've walked with Jesus and you walked away. I know for so many people that's a story, is a true story. Maybe you're like Peter who denied Jesus three times. Like there's been those moments when you knew you should have said something but you didn't? You knew you should have prayed, but you didn't. You knew you should have turned to Jesus, but you didn't. Luke twenty-two, thirty-two 32 says this, and this is Jesus to Peter. He says, but I have prayed for you. Can you hear this over your life today? I've prayed for you. Aren't you glad that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you? That he takes your name and puts it before the Father. He says, I prayed for you that your faith may not fail and that you, once you have been turned again, strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. brothers." If you're in here today and then you go, Man, Wade, that's me. I'm far from Jesus. I need to come home. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Come on, anybody in here today? I'll give you a minute. I'm taking this moment. I'm preaching the gospel. I remember sitting in a sermon one time. My heart just bursting waiting for an altar call so I'm going to give you that if that's you today your heart has been stirred you're sitting there I want to open these altars come pray come respond to this word come respond to God if that's you come Pastor John, would you close us in prayer?
1: Wade, just come stand here. Y'all stand with us. Come stand up here beside You just witnessed what some of our greatest fear is. That we shared the gospel with someone there be no response but what we need to remember is there's no one too far gone this story tells it and that every time the word of God goes forth it does not return back to God void some sow some water and some harvest and only heaven will play out what happened in this house today I was reminded again that with all of my standing, with all of my instruction, with all of my leading, with all of my uh, speaking, preach the word. Preach the word. And unto them that receive him, to them gives he the power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. Thank you for being a preacher of the word. Can someone honor the Lord this morning? Father, as we go out into the world this week, change our mission. Change the, Give us glasses to see. We're not looking for likes on Facebook. We're looking for well done in the courts of heaven. May we speak truth. May we speak the word. May we sow the gospel and trust you for the results. Thank you for today, Lord. And for those of us that have been rescued, I was that naked man i was that insane man i was the one they gave up on but you just spoke over my life and brought me back from the dead and i will spend my life telling that story it's unto you we praise today lord bring us back to this house if you should tarry that we might study your word together tonight in jesus name amen have a wonderful day god bless you